0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to Tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Guav Johnson, and he's probably gonna kill me for saying this, is in my opinion, probably in the top six hunters, professional hunters in Africa, period. But Guav is just like this, he's like an enigma. He's got long hair. He has cut-off sleeve shirts that he wears in the bush he's got this boonie hat that's 10 years old that offers zero sun protection he's a quiet unassuming individual but he absolutely loves wildlife and he loves the wildlife of his home in zimbabwe and we were privileged enough to go and see guav as he initiated a new project called wilberforce a rewilding of an area that is community-owned, that's government-owned, but nobody has the ability to actually do anything on the land and to keep other people from infringing on their community land. That's what we were there to do, to document this place, to document this project. And here's a conversation between Guav and I as we're driving around Wilberforce for the first time and just discussing the situation of a typical African wildlife conservation initiative like what he's putting in the ground. If you love this podcast, do me a favor. Give us a five-star review on Apple. Leave us a review. The more ratings and more reviews we get, the higher we go up the charts. So just take two minutes, go on your phone, hit the five stars, write a little review, hit submit. That's all I need you to do. Cheers. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth and a, a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. i oh, hit record. I might as well hit record right now. Are these like the fling flings? Elephant's foot. Uh, oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. Are these, how long have they been in this vehicle? Two days. Not two weeks. Three
2: days. Yeah. <laughs> Good, day. Nice and salty.
1: There's a comp- there's a there's a chip brand in South Africa called Flings. And they're incredible. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah yeah, I do. So these are good. Yeah. Chicken flavored flings. Well, Guav, welcome to the Blood Origins Podcast. We're sitting waiting. What did I take teach you yesterday about cameraman? Hurry up and wait. <laughs> <laughs> and what yeah. are we doing?
3: We're we waiting whilst they're cocking around on the veranda. <laughs> Double checking, triple checking, pulling wires, I don't know. Exactly,
1: exactly. Plus, there are a bunch of poms as well, right? Yeah, yeah. All the accent that goes with all the confusion. Two Welshmen, one Englishman. Check. In the middle of Zimbabwe. Yeah. Here's one of them loading up. Yeah,
3: he looks concerned.
2: <laughs> he doesn't look like he's sure what he's doing. Yeah, he's a newbie with us. Patrick. Mm. Okay. Haven't worked with him before. I'm I'm impressed so far. I like him. Yeah, he seems to get around. He's busy. The other two are coming now. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. He's
1: even got his jacket sleeves off. <laughs> no, his shirt sleeves. He wanted to look like <laughs> you. <laughs> Must he be. saw you this morning. He was like, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. My idol. This works, this yeah. This works. If Guav's doing it... I need to do it. <laughs> and now but he's put a vest on top of his yeah tattered that's sleeve that's shirt. Yeah,
3: that's it. I mean
1: a sleeveless
2: jacket. What? We're talking about you. Yeah. It's okay. Relax. I can?
1: Okay, but I don't. Okay. Listen, we know you, you did it because of what Guava was looking like and you're like
2: okay. You did have
1: a hair like Guava the last
2: time you were in Africa. I'm glad you're making an effort. Good. Mm. Get in the truck, please. Let's right, go. we go. Hey, let's go. Come on, Patrick. <coughs> Guav, introduce yourself.
3: All right, my name is Guav Johnson, born and bred Zimbabwean, professional hunter. When and did you start professional hunting? I started... My appy ship in 96. Okay. And then I got my full license in 99, 98, 90, 98 okay. So
1: 23 years, 24 years now? Of professional hunting. Professional yeah. hunting. Yeah. 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 Never, did you want to grow up a professional hunter when you were a kid? Because yes. your dad's a professional hunter, right? Correct, yeah. Uh,
3: it's what I wanted to do before I even started school. There was never any desire to be a policeman or a... Fire engine driver or anything like that. It was
1: always just hunting. Hunting was yeah. it too? Hey? Yeah, there was no question ever as to what I was going to be doing. And so, where where have you hunted? Maybe a better question is where have you have not hunted? But where have you hunted? Uh,
2: obviously Zimbabwe, Cameroon, uh, North America, a little bit in South America, France,
3: Germany. Luxembourg.
2: Uh, Luxembourg?
1: What did you shoot in? You you uh, weren't guiding or you were hunting? I
3: was hunting, just roe deer and wild boar, that kind of stuff. Um, Where else? Yeah, those are the, the main two African countries have been Zimbabwe and...
1: Cameroon. North and South Cameroon, yeah. That's where you focus professionally with clients. Yes, yeah. And here in Zim, you hunt where...
3: Uh, we have a concession in the northwest of Zimbabwe, uh, Matetsi Unit 2, and neighbor, neighboring that we have uh, most of the quote in the Kazuma Forest as well. You own Matetsi? We lease it from national parks.
1: It's on a lease, lease agreement. And how, how long is that lease agreement typically? Uh, it, it varies from concession to concession. We have 10 years there. Ten years, and how long have you been? Have you multiple ten years, or this is your first ten years there? This is our first ten years there. I hunted uh, there a lot as a freelancer in the
3: past. I first started hunting there in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Who had the concession before you? At that time, uh, the concession there was Inos Dubé, but it was run by Inyati Hunters at that time. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so, when the contest- the concession came up for re-tender, how did that work? Did they not? Oh, were they not interested, or you were like, "I'm going into competition with you"?
3: Okay, so from Inyati Hunters days, it actually the the Wildlife Department took the area back for themselves. Oh, okay. And they had a South African agent bringing clients there. How'd that work? Uh, it didn't that work was a little so bit. well. Uh, they didn't have a lot of clients. They didn't do any development in the area. Um, and at that time, we were doing a lot of hunting right next door in the, in the Kazuma forest. So we put forward a proposal to national parks, and when the lease or well, their agreement expired with the, the South African agent, yeah. uh, we went into a, like a JV with national parks, whereby okay. we <coughs> would do certain developments and have control of the entire quota.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, I remember you talking last night, we were oh maybe the night before with Court and you and I think this will blow people's minds, because I think again people's expectations of people like yourself owning not owning, working on a concession in Africa is that you get given a quota three leopard, right? Yes, we have to fifty elephants or whatever it is. Yeah. And I guess the misconception is that you guys always overshoot your quota. Is that once you shoot your quota, you can go back to the government and go, hey, give us another elephant tag. We'll give you a little bit of money and take the tag.
3: Uh, no. you Look, you can... If, for example, you're in an area that has a lot more elephant than it should have, and you honestly feel that, for example, five elephant bulls is way under what you could... Uh, harvest out of that area without causing any disturbance or any destruction to the the population. Mm -hmm. You can apply to national parks for an extra elephant the following season. Okay. Uh, The following um, season, not that season. You can apply that season. I don't know of... I haven't personally had done that and had it uh, issued. But definitely, the quota setting meetings are in October na- uh, every year. So that is when you plead your case. You go to the quota meeting, which is attended by various safari operators from that region and the wildlife department, national parks uh, authorities. And you can plead your case at that meeting. And then you also submit it in writing as to why you feel you should get two lions on quota as opposed to one or more waterbuck or, or whatever. And then they will be the ones who will decide whether or not to increase your
1: quota, keep it the same, or even cut your quota. But what you and Court were telling me uh, the other night was that you're actually the, on the other side of the scale. In that mm. you're like, hey, we get given three leopards, yes, and we feel a, that, that is a detriment to...
3: Y- yes, you know, in the past, like back in the day when we were, uh, when I was hunting as a freelance, there were four leopards on quota every year in unit two and most years those four leopards would be shot yeah but we feel that that is too much and we have three leopards on quota which we still feel is not ideal Mm. so we we we, we go with two a year Mm. um if we see that we have you know a lot of big males around then we can always try and try for three the following year but you know we don't go by exactly uh, the quotas that are issued. Buffalo, for example, I think we have 14 on quota, but in our opinion, that is too many, and we've told national parks that, but we just don't
1: shoot those 14. This year, we shot seven. Guav, how prevalent is that mentality? Uh,
3: Unfortunately, I think, to be honest, a lot of the hunting operators, it's, it's a business. Right, And if anything, they fight for more quota. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'll uh, be perfectly honest with you. A lot of
1: areas have quotas that are beyond what they should have. How do we... Because I, I, I thought that was going to be your answer, right? Because it may... Again, taking the emotion out of it, taking... I don't know, taking some sort of value out of it, if you just look at it purely as an economic endeavor, yeah, then that makes sense right yes but Short if you term. take it that it's not just a pure economic endeavor which it sounds like the way that you guys approach it then you can go under quota so then how do we how do you create that under quota sustaining wildlife model is it a, is it raising the price on the animal that i.e. doubling what a, you know you said you have 14 buffalo you only yes. shoot seven maybe it's the other operator saying well we just We'll just double our the cost of the buffalo. Uh
3: it's Or is it not uh, just that simple? It's it's not that simple. Um you know, our wildlife department is always short of, of funds. Mm. Um, I Um could have crossed the road there. Um so some of the time these quotas are not reviewed often enough. Um I think really what needs to happen in our areas it would be good to do two aerial surveys, for example, on the Buffalo. Do a game count at the beginning of the dry season, say in June or July, and then do another one at the end of the year, say in October, Mm. and actually get a very accurate number of how many Buffalo there are and set the quota accordingly. Um, How are they setting the quotas now? (laughs) The quotas haven't changed too much in many, 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 many years. Every year there is a game count. Mm In Wangi National Park and some of the other surrounding parks like Kazuma Pan. Right. Um, But a lot of the buffalo in Matetsi, for example, don't go into those parks. A lot of them stay in the hunting or resident in in Mm. the Matetsi blocks. Are there communities
1: Um, in the Matetsi block?
3: Not in the units. So people often confuse Matetsi because that whole region falls under the Matetsi National Park's office. But there's actually private land that falls under Matetsi, which were old cattle ranches. So those are launches that have been resettled. There are there's, you know, villages, huts, people, goats, mm. chickens, <coughs> cattle, a lot of poaching. And that is not the true, what we refer to as the true matetsi. The, the, the true safari matetsi are the hunting units, which are units 1 to 6. Unit 7 is now a photographic area. Gotcha.
1: And those have not changed in...
3: No. Those, are, those were declared safari areas, if I'm not wrong in the late 60s early 70s um the government of the day their opinion was that it wasn't viable to to do cattle ranching there it definitely wasn't viable to do crops and the soil the rainfall and obviously the the numbers of elephants and then the predators were an uh, issue with cattle so they offered those landowners that owned those Matetsi farms in those days land elsewhere that was better suited for farming. Mm-hmm. And they turned those over into hunting concessions, which was a very wise thing sure, to do. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially from, you know, as you said, land use perspective. What are you going to use the land for? You can't use the land for cattle. No. You can't use the land for growing crops. crops. Yeah. So you said out of the six, there's seven units. One of the seven units is a photographic unit. It used to be hunting, and it was turned to photographic about 20 years, just over 20 years ago. Does it not? Does it do just as well as Wangi? How does how does how does that compete? I actually don't
3: know the figures on how they do in Unit Seven with the with the photographics. Um, it's still operational today. It There's is it's a lodge changed there. hands a lot of times, but yes, there is a lodge there. I believe the lodge is first class. It's on the on yeah. the banks of the Zambezi River. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. it'd have
1: to be right to compete. Yeah, sure. Does Wangi have private lodges inside of it? Wangi National Park
3: has some national park government lodges but there are some private concessions within the national parks that are held by uh, companies that have a lease agreement to have exclusive use of that particular concession within the park and they build they've built their lodges N- they're not permanent camps they're semi-permanent oh, in other so words se- they, like can yes, kind of thing, they can be tented camps that can be torn down and moved around kind y- of thing
1: right exactly yeah i think a lot of people struggle with um again if you're if they're against hunting they're like well there must be something else that you can do in these areas other than hunting no not really there's a lot of
3: areas that there is nothing else you can do you can't cattle ranch the, the areas are too vast and not suitable for the, for photographs the the, the the wildlife numbers may not be in the density that you need it to be for photographics. Mm. The bush is too thick, too mm. remote, you know, long distances from airports, towns. Sounds towns, like you know. just
1: described where we're driving right now.
3: Yeah, exactly. So where are we driving um, right now? So we're going to go up and check uh, uh, a trail camera where we have uh, a bait. we um, trying to get an idea of what leopard are moving on in the area at the moment. It rained yesterday, so our drags would have been washed away, but you never know if a leopard passed
1: close by, which it did two days before I saw a leopard Mm. track in that exact spot. so. So you're rewilding this place. Yes. This place is now, you know, hopefully destined to be hunted in the future as wildlife game densities increase. Correct. What was here before you guys got here?
3: very little there was it was a it's a kind of a communal grazing area um there were community members that have grazing rights to this land here but as there's no fences no water troughs um was that no one of your brand new fences that yes. you put up over there yes we're yep. gonna come back there later Um. Th- it was just an open area where anybody could drive their livestock in. so it's, it was heavily overgrazed <sighs> heavily poached um So there was very little here. Excuse me. So, yeah, but in the last three years with our anti-poaching, opening up the area, putting in some cattle fences and that, there's actually room now for the game and the numbers are building up. We're starting to see more and more every year.
1: There's a black sky in front of us again.
3: Yeah, there's rain close by, I think, especially if it it continues to be hot like this.
1: Yeah. Pop up. Hopefully just pop ups, not like the biblical flood that we had yesterday. Exactly. Yeah. So this land that we're on right now, this isn't, you don't own this land. Talk a little bit about like, the situation here.
3: So this land falls under the authority of the Rural District Council, um, which is government. They are in charge of, the, of this land. It's called, this, this piece of land is on a three-tier system whereby there's no settlement on this land. There's there's not a single hut or anybody that lives here. Is
1: that the highest tier? Uh, You say three-tier system, what does that mean?
3: uh, 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 That means that the government owns the land, but it's solely to be used as a grazing area by selected members of a community. Okay. Yeah, it's not... It's not for for settlement. No, it's not for settlement. Um, So the land belongs to the government, and we have an agreement with the, the beneficiaries from the community of this area and the local district council. So we basically are managing this area and together with the community developing it, both for the use of cattle on their section, game, se- game on our section, and, but the wildlife will roam on the entire uh, piece of land and they will benefit from the offtake of game when we get to that point.
1: How long have you been rewilding this place for now?
3: We've been doing that three years now. Um,
1: have you put any game on the property yet?
3: No, we haven't. We're actually working on the first phase of, of fencing. Um, but just with the anti-poaching that we've done, the numbers have come up, I would say, gee, by at least 80% from when we first started here. Yeah.
1: And we talked, we've um, talked a lot about like why. You th- why is wildlife all of a sudden growing or proliferating and sort of popping up out of nowhere?
3: Because now, like here, there's very little poaching. So you don't have poachers here with big packs of dog causing a lot of disturbance. You don't have illegal woodcutters in here disturbing. Uh, We don't have the huge numbers of cattle that shouldn't have been here. The only cattle that were supposed to be here were those of the community members, the beneficiaries, not the entire region. So just the lack of disturbance now has encouraged the animals to come in. They know they so they've got a little safe haven now. There's also more grazing and browse for them as well. And uh, yeah, they've they've uh, we
2: started to see better numbers. Do you think they've, they've actually
1: come in because they know it's less disturbance, or are they pressured outside of this area, th- still with poaching, still with cattle, and they sort of almost not migrated in, but just almost like? You know, transient and figured out. Oh shit! There's no there's none of this shit from outside. I'm going to stay here. It's very exactly. cool.
3: Both, Th- they found this is a safe haven, and of course, outside of where we are, it's exactly the same as it was it wa- as it was when we first started. There's poaching out around us, uh, overgrazing, and so on. So for the wildlife, they've always had to move here because of pressure from cattle and poaching. Mm-hmm. But now they've found that oh, this area here is actually Pretty cool. It's you know there's no there's no more chasing, uh, you know with dogs and so right, on. So right. it, it, they they start to settle and the the, the, the they're, they're breeding up. Over the last three years, that in the beginning the biggest herd of impala I saw was three. Yeah. Now we're seeing over th- 30 in a herd. Wow. And they've actually had time to breed. Yeah. Because those those impala herds, especially this time of the year when they drop the the young ones were targeted by poachers at night with spotlights and dogs. Mm. They were easy to catch the young impala. So that w- it was very difficult for them to breed up. But now, over the last three years, they, they have.
1: What game was on the property when you first started here?
3: There were very low numbers of impala, kudu, zebra, Diker, stembuck, elephant pass-through, and the odd leopard.
1: And now, three years later,
3: we have all those animals, but three times more. Um, we're seeing also more clip springer. We're also noticing that elephants are no longer migratory here. They, they're permanent. Yeah. Um, if we go more than three or four days without seeing an elephant track, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the elephant have definitely settled here. There's a, a, a lot more elephant presence. Leopard as well. We've seen a, a lot of leopard activity with our trail haina. cams brown hyena as well. Um, and a warthog now. First sighting of a warthog in three years, a week ago, two weeks ago. So that's quite exciting. They used to exist here, but uh, poaching actually w- wiped them out. But mm. yeah, we found one survivor.
1: And what do you hope to bring here? Like, what would you introduce here? We would like to
3: bring in some planes game that originally existed here before uh, the poaching took its toll. So we would like to bring in waterbuck Wildebeest, eland, giraffe. Um, Nyala didn't occur right here, but they will do well in this, in this terrain, in these copies and mm-hmm. in the thickets. So we'd mm-hmm. also want to bring in Nyala and then also reintroduce bushbuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It'd be nice with, with all those animals in here. Yes,
3: uh, it'll be good hunting, plus the elephant, plus you know, the leopard here are very, very big in size. For some reason, they're renowned for being very, very big cats here.
1: What are they preying on right now? Uh, what, would be pr- what would leopards be preying on?
3: You know, they, leopard c- leopards can live on almost anything. But on the farm here, we have found kills of clipspringer, diker, impala, baboon. Mm. They also do kill livestock. They'll kill young donkeys, uh, wieners, calves. Mm. Um, but they can survive on guinea fowl, mm. monkeys, scrub hares. We have a lot of rock hyraxes in these copies okay. as well, which can make up a large portion of their diet.
2: Um, but yeah, big cats, yeah.
1: Yeah, we're just making our way through the property to some sites that we baited yesterday to see what we would catch on trail camera. And, and as, as you said, freaking biblical rains yesterday and yeah. washed away, well, we think it washed away all the scent and who knows if we've got anything on trail cameras.
3: Yeah, yeah, something passed close by. Hyena. Yeah, They come to a
1: lot of the baits, yeah. Brown-ironas, jackal. So when do you think you'll be, this is year three, when do you think you'll start selling hunts?
3: So next year we plan to sell an, at least one elephant hunt and a leopard hunt. Mm. So it'll be two. Uh, possibly two elephant, one leopard. And then on the leopard hunt we'll shoot a zebra or two, a couple of impala for bait. But that's about it. Um, but yeah, as it's each year goes on and the numbers increase, we'll slowly increase the quotas.
1: And you plan to bring in game when do you start, w- as soon as the fence is up, right?
3: Yes, we first we, the first wildlife we have planned to arrive is in end of March next year, and that'll be a, a herd of 30 uh, Livingston Elan. Mm. Um,
1: Where would they be coming from, Guaf?
3: So uh, my cousin fortunately has some friends that had a property in the northeast of the country and I don't know if they have to relocate or um but they were looking for a a good place to have these eland released so we they've actually donated them to us we're just paying for the capture and uh, transport which is huge because that would have been quite a packet to buy oh yeah uh, for sure. of 30 eland with for a couple sure. of bulls inside for sure. So those will be the very first animals introduced here, yeah, reintroduced.
1: So, you know, one of the things that we get hit on, hit with a lot is the idea that, you you know, you're coming in here, you've got this relationship with this community, you're going to sell a leopard hunt, you know, that's a very expensive hunt, you're going to sell two elephant hunts, those are very expensive hunts, and, you know, Guav, wow, you're just making a lot, a shit ton of money <laughs> from hunting <laughs> those three things.
3: I wish I was. No. Uh, I'll actually make very little out of it. Um, The idea of, you know, starting off with these hunts is to help fund the anti-poaching and building this property back up to what it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, So that's, you know, really why we have to take care of the game here. And, you know, not just the plains game. And, you know, a lot of people look at the elephant in this region as just destruction. Proverbs. You know, they pull up pipelines, they destroy reservoirs. They chase people. They kill the herd boy. Um, raid crops. Uh, they, they can be a menace. But for us, you Sting know, we protect. Elephant dung on the road. Yeah. We protect these elephants, and if we can take off one or two bulls a year, and the, the money is generated from that, put it back into developing uh, the property. It, you know, we, we we you know we can't just keep digging into our pockets to to fund everything here. We, you know we're working people. Sure. Sure. Know. Sure. Uh, What have you
1: invested in the property already, or with the community?
3: So far, we've invested about $100,000 into the community. This is the the third bait site, right? Yeah, we're just going to park about 50 meters up here.
2: These are all the cattle trucks from yesterday, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll park here. We're just going to hit pause. Then we'll get back to the podcast. Check out this bait trail camera. Yeah, we got everyone.
1: So you would we were talking about the investments that you've made in here yeah. already with no zero zero hunting, zero hunting revenue. Yeah, no, we haven't got anything back from here, um,
2: at this point.
3: It's just been yeah, input.
2: What what are the what are the
1: inputs that you've put in? Hell of a lot of time. Uh, yeah, I think, everyone, I, uh, I think everyone forgets about time <laughs> being yeah, cost, right? yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Well, you know, to start off with, we didn't even have a base here, and mm-hmm. um, we had a shell of an old homestead. no running water, no electricity, um, no shelter, nothing. Um, so the first two and a half years, we l- kind of lived out of little army surplus pub tents. Um, but yeah, the major investments so far are the drilling of three boreholes. Um, one of them is equipped with a solar system, the other two are hand pumps. Uh, the wire to start the fencing has been a, a very big expense. The wire, the metal standards stays. Uh, the wire and the stands for what? To fence off the perimeter. Um, both in t- we, we're putting in some cattle paddocks, yeah, yeah um, cattle paddocks, and then uh, we, our idea is to eventually uh, encircle
1: the whole whole area with a 1.8 electric fence. But it's an ingenious design. It's it, you know people think about high fencing and you're sort of fencing everything out and keeping everything in, but there's actual gaps in the electric fencing that you guys are designing.
3: Yes, so on our eastern side, that's where most of the elephant activity comes from. Uh, there's well used elephant pods and roots that the, the elephants use to come through feeding in the area down to a big dam that we have and then they feed back and so on. So we don't want to stop the movement of the elephant. Um, so we've, we we are electrifying the fence but... Or also
1: you don't want the elephants just breaking your fences all no, the time. No, I mean we, we've...
3: Uh, I showed you there's cattle fences that we've been y- tr- using to try and keep the cattle out and the guys can't even keep up the elephants are breaking it so often mm. but the idea is to get the entire property electrified uh, and then we leave gaps where the, the the elephant pods are with cattle grids so it will still keep in the wildlife keep cattle in or out depending uh whether they're community cattle or, or stray cattle right and then
1: predators and elephant can cross those grids in and out as they feel. So you're keeping the valuable wildlife inside, you're keeping community cattle that have been given rights to graze inside in certain grazing paddocks. Correct. And, that's a dove, looks like like an animal running through. Um, But also very importantly, is keeping cattle from people that aren't even the communities out. Exactly,
3: because that's, you know, for example, the community own about 120 head of cattle, but without any fences, there would be over 500 head of cattle on here. Mm-hmm. So it was overgrazed every single season. And you and said
1: also that like their traditions and culture won't allow them to like follow up with whoever's cattle is not doesn't belong there and say, hey, get your cattle off, out of here. Yeah,
3: they, you know. One of the community members may have a neighbor that's got 50 cattle that are grazing on here, mm-hmm. but he would never be able to approach that neighbor and say, look, your cattle should not be on our property. You need to get them off. That just that just doesn't work like that in their mm-hmm. communities. However, if I employ someone from that community and his job is security, he can now
1: get those cattle off yeah. and report the, uh, who the culprit is that's pushing the cattle onto the property. Yeah. These little patches of green grass that we're seeing here probably would not have been here two months ago, huh?
3: No, 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 this was very dry. Even the leaves on the Mapanis... Uh, all brown. Yeah, they were brown. It looked pretty desolate here. This is one of the elephant gaps yeah, right here on yeah. the corner. So, you can, I mean, you can see all the broken trees here, sure. from elephant. They like to feed along sure. this path here
1: that we've left. And like the this. cattle grid, is it, is it going to be your classic, that metal, big metal or concrete? I think I saw concrete. Concrete, concrete yeah.
3: So, it, you know, they've w- I've seen where elephants have walked over various grids here without any problem. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see that being an issue for them. What we'll do is we'll clear the paths nicely on either side of, of the grid going about 200 meters and we'll spread a lot of elephant dung along the path and over those grids, so that they, any elephant coming along, will smell uh, elephant activity and realize that, that, that one of his bro- b- brothers or sisters yeah. has gone through the fence and it's it's, no problems. You know, they won't
1: feel you know suspicious or threatened by it. It's funny that nothing like it's 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 almost like um you you you're seeking the balance that you're looking for, right? Yeah, you know, we didn't want to change it up too
3: much. I mean, to have natural occurring wild elephant on a property is, is, is a big Pretty thing. Pretty cool, yeah. You know, to fence those out would seem a, a hell of a waste. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've come here and they've been
1: here for years, so let's
3: try and keep it that
1: way. And it also is, if you if you ever get to a point where your elephant population is too big, there's almost like emigration routes that... Yes,
3: exactly. F- you know, w- if the food is short or whatever, no. they can just move out as at as they need. Yeah, they yeah. don't. They don't have to. If they need water, f- whatever, they can come into the property. Even if they're not feeding a lot, they can come and drink and leave. Mm-hmm. But they do. There's a lot of ideal terrain here for elephant. There's rivers with thick acacia along it. The base of some of these big mountains has got a lot of acacia that they like. And there's you know thickets which they feel secure in. So mm-hmm. they, you know they c- like to come and
1: rest up in in these areas. What would you, if you look back, if, you know, in five years' time we, we came back, and hopefully we do, and uh, we're sitting here with you on the top of that mountain that, 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 that the farmstead, well, if you want to call it a farmstead. The old homestead. The old yeah. homestead now that has running water, no electricity still. I'm sleeping in a tent, you're sleeping in a tent. Yeah. What does is, what is success look like to you?
3: Uh, one day will probably be to have a, a roof on the house. And would be uh, successful? You know,
1: that? It <laughs> <That>
3: would be. <laughs> uh, probably just have some solar lighting. You know, we don't need anything overboard, you know, mm-hmm. just to be able to exist comfortably mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, to have all these, you know, our perimeter fence done, to have all those different species of wildlife reintroduced and the ones that are here increasing in number. Um, t- to a point where we can do a couple of safaris a year to su- support the whole program, mm-hmm. you know. The idea is not to come here and get rich. We're never going to make tons of money off this property. Yeah. Um, but just the goal is to have a lifestyle that we can enjoy. What we love is wildlife and hunting. So to just to live that lifestyle yeah. and not have to s- strain ourselves to pay the wages at the end of the month. If we can pay our bills and exist here with the wildlife and our hunting, that's the goal.
1: And you said one, you know, one animal a, a month, essentially, meat provision to the community so that meat is yes. essentially now a, a standard part of their life. Yeah, exactly, because
3: you know, cattle that the community have, that's an investment. It's kind of like you having a vehicle. You know, mm. they, they don't kill a cow to eat un- unless it's a wedding celebration or something like that. So they get very little uh, red meat to actually eat. Um, Except on special occasions, so now with with the wildlife life numbers building up, if we can provide them with uh, meat on a regular basis, that'll change their whole lives mm-hmm. um we harvested an elephant this year uh for meat for the communities, and yeah uh, you could if you could have seen their faces um they were overjoyed and I can even take you back to where where we where we hunted the elephant. You wouldn't even know there was an elephant lying there. No they bones, no nothing. Ribs. They took every bone, rib, the intestines, the stomach linings, the internal organs.
1: Absolutely, everything was taken. Mm. Yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people would say nobody eats elephant, and you're just shooting it for its ivory. Nah, gee, there People here love elephant meat. They do. Like we were talking to um Washima this morning. Yes. And he told me it was ridiculously delicious. Yeah. No, no, no. He relished different. it. He relishes elephant meat. Yeah, nothing wrong with
3: it. They'll eat some of it fresh. And the other s- stuff they'll dry. Salt salted or dried. Yeah, like like a kind, dried meat kind jerky. of kind of Yeah. They don't have refrigeration
1: um yeah. out where they are, so it lasts that way. Yeah. Well, it's a fascinating place, man. And uh, I am privileged to. We've been talking about this for like 18 months. Yeah. Nice to have you here. I'm glad to be here. We're the first guests. That's an accomplishment to itself. Yeah. Yeah, you are.
3: Thanks. You and
1: Blowvest have rolled out the red carpet. (laughs)
3: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Most people hear about the snakes and scorpions and how we live up here, and they kind of shy away for from coming to visit unless it's a day trip (laughs)
1: yeah and there's lots of snakes lots of scorpions yeah yeah but it's It's paradise man this is africa wild africa yeah so thanks guav thanks man robbie well that's it for today i appreciate you listening as always leave a review share it with your friends and most importantly do what's right to convey the truth around hunting